Amy, thank you for your ministry and music this morning. Well, I'm thankful for the privilege of being able to be here. Um, I suppose not under these circumstances, because I don't like to see our brother who's uh, at home, um, our pastor. But um, thankful to be able to minister the Word of God to you this morning. And I have a question for you as we begin. It may sound like, sound like a strange question, but how many of you have ever gone fishing? Not a rhetorical question. Answer, answer by raising your hands. How many of you have ever been fishing? Pretty many of you. Okay. Um, how many here today have a fish story that they could tell? Any of you? I'm not going to ask you to tell them. It's okay. A few of you. All right. Very good. Um, believe it or not, I have a few myself, but I'm not going to tell you mine either. Um, some of you probably have the story of a perfect, or the perfect story of, of this perfect fish, this huge fish. That just got away, and well, I saw it. It was there, but you know, it's gone. Or um, I don't know if any of you have this kind of a story, uh, but this big fish came along and took a chunk out of our boat. Um, that's I've, I've heard some of those kinds of stories already. Um, some of you actually have fish that you've mounted. I, I've seen some actually. Uh, I saw one in Pastor Pastor Heller's study downstairs. So I know he's maybe not a fish that's mounted. A picture of one. But some of you I know have fish that have been mounted. Um, our story today, our passage today, in it, we are going to be talking about fishing. That's what we're going to be looking at. And uh, if you haven't done so, please turn to Mark chapter 1, uh, verses, verse 16. And we'll be looking at that in just a few minutes. And really what I'm going to talk about is actually pretty simple this morning. It's It's... If you look at your uh, bulletin, it's actually our call to worship. We're going to be looking at that particular phrase. Follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. Now, a question as you've been thinking about, or as we've been talking, I've been talking for these few minutes about fishing. How many of you ever caught a person on your fish line? Maybe a few of you, huh? Okay. <laughs> that, that would be an interesting story to, to hear. Uh, we're not going to ask you to talk about that today. Maybe some of you have. We are going to be talking about that today. Catching people. Catching people as we fish. And I'm going to ask you if you would just please bow your head with me as we ask the Lord to lead us in our time this morning as we continue. Father, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. And we pray these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, our King, Jesus. Amen. Well, last year, I don't know how many of you were here, um, it was in May, in an evening, might have been Memorial Day weekend last year, I preached a sermon about the first 15 verses of chapter 1 of Mark. And uh, I'm going to continue on, we're at, we're at verse 16, and think about this gospel according to Mark, this good news according to Mark, and uh, what he might be saying to us in this next uh, passage. 
in introducing to us. I want to remind you of a few things as we come to the Gospel of Mark once again. Just a few. First of all, Mark, obviously, is the author of this Gospel. And Peter, the Apostle Peter, is his primary source as we uh, come to understand the Gospel of Mark. Who was Mark writing to? Mark was writing to the Jews or Jewish Christians as he came to, to tell them about Jesus Christ, um, the Son of God. And that's actually the melodic line. I talked about that last time. This line that continues to go throughout the Gospel of Mark. Um, just like in a, um, maybe in, in a symphony or in a, in a musical work, that you'll hear the melody again and again and again. So we see that in the Gospel of Mark. And what is that? It's simply this. That Jesus is God the Son. That Jesus is God the Son. You say, well, we talk about that all the time. We know that. Well, many people in, in Mark's day did not. And he kept on telling them. This is, in fact, who this person was who came to this earth. We'll be looking at that even this morning. And, at the beginning of this Gospel, in verses 1-15, to I want to just... Again, put this in front of you. We heard it read this morning, but just a couple of things to uh, call to your attention. In verses 1-8, to eight, um, there was a preparation for Jesus' coming. A preparation through Old Testament proph prophecies. Through John the Baptist who came to preach. Um, there was a, again, this was, this was a preparation for the coming of this Son of God. Secondly, we, f we read in verses 9-11 to 11, the idea that the Father was pleased. God the Father was pleased in His Son's coming. In His Son's coming to this earth. And then thirdly, the preaching of the good news. And we see that as we take a look at verses 12-15. to Jesus comes and tells us why He's here. He's come to preach the kingdom. He's come to preach the good news of the kingdom. He's come to, to preach repentance and belief in this kingdom that He's bringing about. Well, as we continue to our study in Mark's Gospel concerning this one Jesus Christ, as the Son of God, we come to verses 16 to 20. We've read about them already. We know that they're about fishing. But I want to leave just a couple of other things as we prepare to take a look at this phrase in front of you this morning as we think of, the, as we think of this passage. First of all, in verse 11 we see, Jesus has just come from getting word from His Father in heaven that He's pleased with Him. So He knows He's here. He knows He's been called by His Father. He knows that He has uh, this, again, job, this purpose for Him. And His Father's pleased with Him. We also see in verse 12 that Jesus has been tempted by the devil and He's come under attack from the evil one at the beginning of His ministry. So He understands that this is not just going to be a walk in the park going to pick daisies. He understands that things are going to be tough. He's been tempted by the evil one. Thirdly, Jesus is coming back to His home area, the region of Galilee, where Nazareth is in verse 14. So He's coming back to an area that He knows well, coming back to proclaim the Gospel, to preach the Gospel here. Um, I likened it, as I was thinking of this, to I live in the borough of Palmyra, um, and the borough of Palmyra is actually in the region of the Lebanon Valley. And that's kind of the idea that's going on here in Jesus' life and what He's doing and where He's ministering at this point. 
And we see now in verse 16 that Jesus is walking alongside or passing by, as the text says, the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee. A place where, again, we see from this passage, much fishing went on. Um, it was a, a, a center of that, that region. Many people fishing for their, for their life's work. I want to make a little note before we go on to look at this passage. One more note. And that is this. As we think of Mark's Gospel, I want you to notice that uh, this Gospel and what, the way Mark writes is actually a Gospel of action. You'll notice that Jesus goes from place to place. He's moving. He has a purpose. We've looked at that purpose. And He continues to act and do things that He's doing in His ministry based on that purpose. And as I thought about that, I thought that was a great thing for me to consider in my own life. And I put it in front of you as well as we think about this. I think it's a great lesson for us. How are we, at, how are we at acting on purpose? As we watch Christ today and what He does, think of it in your own life. Do you do things on purpose? Do you even have a purpose in mind whenever you do what you do? What about when we're just sitting around the house? Maybe resting, relaxing, watching TV, listening to music. Are we doing these things on purpose as well? And what is our purpose? Think about that in your own life. What is our purpose? Is it God's purpose? Or is it our own? Well, anyway, Jesus' purpose is mentioned here in verse 15. He's preaching to those with whom He's coming in contact. A simple yet a powerful message. The time is completed. The Kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. And what are they to believe? That Jesus Christ is the Son of God come to this world to save sinners from death and eternal destruction. Again, I told you, we're coming to take a look at actually the second statement that Jesus makes in this Gospel. You'll see it again in verse 17. Follow Me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Follow Me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Again, I'm going to break this down pretty simply. And we'll talk about what is Jesus saying? And how is it helping us to understand this passage? And how, is it, how it applies to us as well. First of all, this idea that He says, come, follow Me. Four observations as I look at that phrase. First of all, who were His disciples in verses 16 and 19? These first disciples, their names are Simon, Andrew, James, and John. What did they do? They were fishermen. And as I was thinking about this, I mean, in my mind, it comes, I, I think, fishing rod, go out there, throw it, but that's why I have this little uh, visual aid in front of you uh, this morning. That's not what they were doing. It, it, it shows us and, and, and tells us that they were casting, at least in this translation, um, casting a net into the sea. So they weren't using a fishing rod. They were actually taking one of these nets and along the shore, got to hang on to this thing right here because you could throw the net and don't hang on to this, you won't have a net. But um, they took one of these and threw it off the shore to catch fish. Now again, there's, there are weights. You can probably see this. There are weights around the edge. 
They would throw it out, lay it flat out, and the weights would quickly fall and catch the fish inside the net. All the while they were hanging on to this piece and would pull it back in. It's that idea. I will tell you, I've never done this before. I've read about it. Um, some of you may have actually used nets as you were, as you were, as you were uh, fishing. But that's what went on. And that's the word that's actually used here when it talks about this idea of casting nets. Um, it's that kind, of a, that kind of, a, of a process of fishing. They were professional fishermen. They did it for a living. They had to, they had to catch fish. That's what they did. James and John, it tells us in verse 19, were preparing, mending their nets. It's a different word for nets. They were actually in their boat. They were out in a little ways off, fit, prepare, or repairing their nets. And these nets were used between boats to kind of lay out there. It's a little bit different way of fishing, but that's what they were doing. Okay. Ordinary men were the four of these men. Very ordinary. They were four of hundreds who lived around the Sea of Galilee and used it as their livelihood. They made a living. They, they fed their families. James and John were not the hired men, but the sons who would most likely inherit the business from their father's Zebedee when he could no longer lead. Um, as I was reading some of the commentaries, some actually believe that they, were, they may have been related to Jesus as well, which is interesting as well. So, think about this. Who was Jesus calling when He called these fishermen to help Him? Well, we just talked about who they were. They were fishermen. They were ordinary. They were most likely to inherit a business from their father Zebedee. They weren't nobles. They weren't kings. They weren't the leaders of their day. Not the scribes or the Pharisees. The religious leaders of the day. They were ordinary working men. That's who they were. Second observation about this phrase. Follow me. And I'm going to suggest to you that Jesus had a plan. Follow me, He says. Come after me. Come behind me. It's actually a, a, a technical term in the original language used by rabbis when calling disciples to come and learn from them. It's probable, as we look at John, other accounts in the Gospels, and John in particular, that there was some kind of connection between Peter and Andrew, James and John from previous, from previous times. Okay, um, But here it is, Mark's saying, as he is an action person, this is what's happening. Jesus walks out, walks right by the sea, says, come, follow me. Okay. When Jesus passes by this lake, it's also true that He simply calls Peter and Andrew and then James and John to leave behind their work of fishing and come follow Him. Now think about that for a second. Put yourself in their shoes. This is probably a pretty lucrative business. I'm going to earn a living for my family. I need to take care of my family. 
He's saying, Jesus is saying, follow me. Again, put yourself in their shoes. What would you have done? I don't know, because I've got... But you see in the passage, what do they do? (laughs) They drop everything and they follow Him. Maybe in your mind, I don't know, maybe it doesn't, but to me it did when I first thought about this. It sounds a little radical, don't you think? A little radical. Why would they leave? Why would they leave? Because of the One who's calling them. The Son of God. The second person of the Trinity. A definite declaration of Mark to the deity of Jesus and the power that He has. When it shows us simply that they dropped everything and followed Him, it's showing us that in fact, they believe that. And they follow. And I would suggest to you that it's even stronger than that. It's showing us not so much about Simon and Andrew, James and John, but it's showing us a great deal about Jesus Christ and how great He was. Jesus speaks and things happen. Listen to this. Several places in the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 1, verse 25, Jesus speaks to a demon. Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit comes out of him. In chapter 4, verse 39, Jesus speaks, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. Like that! In chapter 5, verse 41, Jesus speaks, Talitha kum, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. In chapter 7, verse 34, Jesus speaks, Ephatha, be opened. And this deaf and dumb person's ears were opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. In chapter 11, verses 14 and 20, Jesus speaks, May no one ever eat fruit from you again, fig tree that doesn't have any fruit on it. And it tells us later on in the chapter, as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And finally, chapter 15, verses 38 and 39, when Jesus hung on the cross, Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed His last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. How powerful is this One who speaks? Follow me? (laughs) Extremely. Infinitely. That's why Andrew, Simon, James and John dropped everything and followed Him. He's God. God the Son. The third observation. Follow me. You see, it's not about some great program that's going to change the world once they implement it and make disciples. He, the Son of God, simply says, follow Me. 
want you to understand that the relationship between Peter and Andrew, James and John, and the Lord is important. They're not following a religious system. The road to a kingdom. Or even a good teacher to teach them. Jesus calls them to be with Him. To watch Him. To learn from Him. And as we'll see tonight, from the next section in Mark, they're following the one who has the authority to say, follow me. It's been given to him by his Father. He's a great example of what it means to follow, too. The fourth observation. Come, follow me. It's a command. Jesus speaks with authority here to those whom He wants to follow. It sounds to to me, and to us, I'm going to say, like someone who knows what He wants. Knows His purpose for being here and will not be stopped until He accomplishes it. Come, follow Me. And I will make you to become... The second part. I will make you to become. The first thing to notice in this phrase is it's going to take some time. It's a process. What Jesus wants to do is in the future. Will make you. He'll be with them. He will make the process happen. I will make you. And if you turn in your Bibles to chapter 3, verse 14, I want you to notice something that strikes me every time I read this. We talk about disciple-making. We talk about discipleship. I want you to see the plan of Jesus. Verse 14. And He appointed twelve, whom He also named apostles, so that they might be with Him, and He might send them out to preach. You see, the process here is really simple. Come be with me. Follow me. And I will make you to become. Be alongside me. Eat dinner with me. Spend time with me and I with you. That's the plan. That's what Jesus is calling them to do. And He says, when you do this, I will make you to become. It's a process, but I will do this. second thing to notice in this phrase is that there's going to be some changes happening. First of all, who are they? Well, they're fishermen. They catch fish. Their daily routine includes going out to the lake, the Sea of Galilee, as we've talked about before, and they caught fish. And they went home and they sold them. And they fed their family. That's what they did. Jesus is coming to call them to something a bit different. Does He tell them to stop fishing? Yes and no. Yes in one sense, in another, no. They're not going to be fishing the way they used to fish anymore. They've been fishing for fish. Jesus is commanding them to follow after Him, to fish, 
But now, they're fishing for something different. And that brings us to the last part of chapter, or verse 17 of chapter 1. Come follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. They're no longer fishing for fish. It's not about using boats and nets to fish any longer. They're now fishing for men. How does one fish for men? I mean, do I take this net right here? <laughs> I can ask Betty to come up here, I guess, and stand, and I throw it over her. Now I got her. Is that the way it works? I don't think so, in one sense. But let's think about that for just a couple minutes. How does Jesus fish for men? If you look at this passage, I think you see it. He walks up alongside the Sea of Galilee. And He calls out, Come, follow Me. Now again, you can say, well, um, He's Jesus. He's the Son of God. He's got the power. We've already established that. Yes, true. And in fact, if you think about it, that's in fact all He had to do. Just speak with the authority that He has that we will look at even more tonight. And people come. But I want to I put this in front of you. Jesus says to these men, I will make you to become fishers of men. What's He saying? I'm going to work in you. You can go walk alongside the sea and call for people to come in My name, with My authority, and they'll come. Because it's Jesus. That's a part of this. That's a part of this idea of fishing for men. That we go not in our own strength. That we go not with all our perfect plans on how to do this. But we go in the name of Jesus. Calling people to follow Jesus. The Son of God. The One, as we've heard, even sung and talked about and prayed about this morning, who came to die on the cross for our sins. To give us eternal life as we receive Him, as we believe in Him, as we follow Him. What's the response of these fishermen? We talked about this. They left their nets. They left their father and the hired men still in the boat and they followed after Him. Something I didn't mention earlier, but you'll see it. Even, even in this passage, twice. The word immediately. It's actually a word that's used in Mark's Gospel 42 times. 11 times in just this chapter alone. What's it telling us? Well, in this case, it's telling us that they dropped things and went just like that. In, in, this, in, my tra- in this translation, it's translated sometimes at once. That's right. They did it right away. Things happened right away.
They did it willingly. They did it unhesitantly. They did it almost recklessly. Either they were fools, or the one who was calling them truly was great. God's call is like that, isn't it? Jesus explains in John's Gospel this in chapter 6, verse 44. No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws him. God is at work in these men as they willingly accept Jesus' call to follow. Conclusion. I want you to think about this with me for just a couple more minutes. Come follow Me. And I will make you to become fishers of men. Does the statement still apply to today? Yes. Yes, it sure does. Are there any parallels between the first disciples whom Jesus called and the, par- and the, and the disciples whom Jesus calls today? Most certainly. I'm going to give you four as you walk out these, out these doors today to think about. Number one, Jesus calls us to come after Him today. He commands us to come just as Peter and Andrew. How does He do that? As we hear His Word, as His Spirit applies it to our minds and hearts. Listen to these words from a commentator that I read and I thought were very poignant and very good to think about. The call and the instant response of these fishermen reveals something of what discipleship to Jesus entails and should shatter our comfortable world of middle class discipleship. Disciples are not those who simply fill pews at the worship, fill out our pledge cards, attend an occasional Bible study, and offer to help out in the work of the church now and then. Disciples are not merely eavesdroppers and onlookers. When one is hooked by Jesus, one's one's whole life and purpose in life are transformed. Do you understand what he's saying? If Jesus, the Son of God, has called you and me, we can't stand idly by. Jesus is calling you to come and follow Him. Have you listened to His Spirit's call in your heart to your mind to follow Him today? Can you say that you've left behind your life of sin to live a life pleasing to our Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord? Number two, we're all ordinary people with an extraordinary Savior. And we've talked about this. I'm just going to say it simply. The fact is, they were fishermen who, if it were me, I wouldn't pick. But Christ did. And you see how the world has been turned upside down by these men. Ordinary men. Ordinary women who follow Jesus Christ. Is that you and me? Well, it is me. Maybe you're not ordinary, but I am. 
But God can use us. And He will as we follow Him. Thirdly, Jesus is with us and will help us to become all that He wants us to be. I'm going to say that again because I want you to think about that with me. Jesus is with us and will help us to become all that He wants us to be. Notice I didn't say all that I want me to be. When I follow Christ, I give up everything, including myself, including my way. Let me tell you, for me, that's hard. It's a daily, maybe a minute-by-minute struggle. Because I like to do things my way. Jesus Christ calls us to do things His way. How are you living your life today? Are there areas in your life where you've said, no, I can't give that area over to Him. Is He not the Son of God? Come to save you from your sins. He wants every part of your life. Think about this. Saying no to the One with whom all things are possible is nothing less than rebellion and unbelief in Him. And I'll tell you, I don't like to say that because I've got to say that to myself. But it's true. When I choose not to follow, when I choose not to listen, what am I doing? I don't want to talk. I don't want to hear from you. I want to do it my way. Just stay over there, God. Fourthly, we've been given the responsibility of fishing for men. Our responsibility is simple. What do we use? Not a net, but simply laying out before those to whom we come in contact, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's in our community. The living Word of God. The person of Jesus Christ who has affected our hearts and our lives. We want to give to others that they can know Him, that they can trust Him, that they can love Him, that they can follow Him like we do. Are you trying to catch those for whom you're fishing? Maybe you say, well, I've got the Word out there. But, you know, again, I think it's really good to to think about in light of even this net. Am I trying to catch them? I'm not saying that it's you who's doing it. I'm saying, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, do do we seek to persuade men because we fear God? We need to be thinking about that as we talk about and think about the fact that we are called and Jesus calls us to come follow Him and He'll make us to become fishers of men. What are you doing about this call from Jesus on your life? You who claim to be Christ's disciple. Are you willingly, unhesitantly, almost recklessly abandoning your way for His call for you? Have you become His disciple? I would say this to all of us this morning. Follow after Jesus. Trust in Him. What are we as 
Lebanon Bible Fellowship Church going to do? In our, certainly in our lives individually, but as a community, as a church, in our community. Desiring to come and follow Jesus who's called us. and He'll make us to become fishers of men. May we not only have fishing for fish stories to tell, but also many fishing for men stories to tell. As we follow the Son of God, who left everything to teach us to become fishers of men. Let's pray.